I want to look at the book of Psalms over the summer period, and then we may bounce back into the Gospels and explore what happens when Jesus comes. But I've entitled this series, Psalms That Keeps Us Singing. One of the things I believe that the world needs most at this time is a church that sings. There is something about singing that lifts our spirits. And there is nothing more powerful when people of faith, particularly people of faith in the Lord Jesus comes together and they start to sing and there is a supernatural work that God does when we acknowledge him through singing. It is one of God's ways in which he works when you read scripture all the way through. It's interesting that in the book of Revelation, um, you'll see that there's so much singing that takes place and particularly as things come to an end and in heaven, there will be incredible singing because it is an expression of the soul and it brings worship to God. And I believe the world needs to see a singing church. I believe the world needs to see a brave church over these times. And I believe the world needs to see a church that is able to inspire by giving them something that can give them hope. But not only hope, something that can transform their lives into a desire to know God. But for the church to be able to sing, we as individual believers need to be able to sing. And um, one of my personal requests that I've handed in to God, when I get to heaven and when he brings all things together is for me to be the worship leader on the keyboards in heaven. And I'd like to lead the whole host of heaven in worship. Simply because I know that um, God will transform our earthly talents into something supernatural in heaven. And uh, you know, the Bible says we must ask and God will grant us our desires. So, uh, so I'm not quite gonna practice here, I just believe in a miraculous transformation in heaven. And so I love singing. Uh, I, it, it is one of the things that just lifts my soul. Um, we were in South Africa um, on holiday and um, it was a wonderful African adventure. And um, as we came back, I remember sitting down here in the chairs. And as I was sitting and we started singing, something happened to my spirit that didn't happen in the weeks we were on holiday. I was refreshed, but my spirit needed to be refreshed. And one of those ways in which my spirit is refreshed is when I sit amongst people with beautiful voices and wonderful skills. And, and so that's why we're so passionate about worship here. But I believe as believers that if we're unable to sing at the current time for whatever reason, it's not a bad idea to go to the book of Psalms. It's well known that if you're struggling in your prayer life, go to the book of Psalms 
Because as you read the Psalms, it will start to enlighten your heart. It will put a desire back in your heart to pray. And uh, I just did that this week, and it just so inspired me again to pray. But it also inspired me to worship. And so hopefully as we look at some of these psalms that maybe you're unable to sing, my friends, as you read the psalms, we're asking God to move in such a way within your life so that you can sing again. And so I would like us to turn, please, to Psalm 121. Verses one to eight. Now, when you read Psalm 120, you will see that there is a side note which says that it is called a Psalm of Ascent. And so if you read from Psalm 120 to Psalm 134, those 15 Psalms are Psalms of Ascent. And it, um, is a particularly group of psalms that the pilgrims who were marching towards Jerusalem were singing. And they tell us that as they were singing their songs onward into that journey and wherever you went, it was always upwards to Jerusalem. And as they were marching upwards to Jerusalem, they would start at Psalm 120 and they would pace their journey in such a way that when they got to uh, Psalm 134, that they would reach their destination. And they said that the songs just grew in intensity as they marched along the way. So these psalms are called the Psalms of Ascent, um, Psalms of growing momentum, Psalms of looking with the end in sight. And that is what caused these pilgrims to finish the journey. John Calvin, a theologian, said of the Psalms, he said, the Psalms are the anatomy of all parts of the soul. It is said that David Livingston recited this Psalm that we're gonna read in the year 1840 before going to Africa as a missionary. He found particular confidence in this psalm. Emphasis for him was on the keeping power of the Lord as he was preparing to go to that foreign land. And so he found particular comfort with his psalm 121. And so let's look at the psalm. It says, I lift up my eyes to the mountains, where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming in and going both now and forevermore. I hope those of you at home over the live stream uh, have been able to follow along with us. What about the psalm keeps us singing? 
Or what about the psalm will inspire us to start to sing again? And I think the psalmist is so clever in the way he answers the question that I've posed to you. The psalmist proposes this question and he says, I lift up my eyes, where does my help come from? And so we do see here that as we're marching on this journey, as the pilgrims started to go up to Jerusalem where they were gonna offer sacrifices and where they were gonna be strengthened and encouraged, um, as they walked up the mountains, it was a dangerous journey, it was a dangerous road. Many things happened in the midst of this journey and sometimes weariness sets in. Sometimes unforeseen events took place. Sometimes it was dreadfully hot. Other times at night, they were afraid of imposters. Jenny tells me the story just after I left South Africa and my sister-in-law's home that belongs to my brother-in-law in Portugal and, 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 and just two nights while um, I had left Two doors away from them, people tried to break in to the home. And um, you know, it is, it, is, it is just so interesting what you think when you've left your wife there, and of course you'll fly back on Saturday, but, but those type of things kind of shakes you just a little bit. And we see here that this is what these people experienced on their journey. And so as they were marching towards the hill or the mountain, they said, I lift up my eyes. Where does my help come from? I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? And the answer simply was, my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And you'll notice there's a semicolon in your Bible when the scripture says, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. So pause. So some of the guys proposes that what the writer in this psalm actually is saying, he says, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Does my help come from the mountains? Does my help come from the resource around the mountains? Do I put my trust in what I have experienced there? And he pauses because he wants a response. Then he says it more clearly. He says, where does my help come from? And I think that's a great question for you and I to ask during these times. In a world that is so uncertain, I was speaking to my friends in the UK over Zoom just the other day, there's a bunch of about 15 pastors, we got together and we talked. And things are so uncertain in the UK with the laws that will be unpropped, the promises that are being made and they're not quite sure where they are at. I said, Switzerland is a whole lot better. So I always try and pull out the trump card of Switzerland when I speak to the guys in the UK. I said, do you know what? We can have at least a thousand people in your church. I said, they said, do you have a thousand? I said, not yet. And so, you know, we banter a little bit. But um, the world is so uncertain. 
you know, uh, uh, with in the country that we live, things are so uncertain, um, uh, that I live in, in, in South Africa, things are so uncertain, things can flare up. You, know, you can never say what's going to happen tomorrow. As a matter of fact, in the whole world, it is like that. There were times when we could say, this country where you live is a little bit more certain than in other countries. But my friends, worldwide, we need to ask the question, where does my help come from? And the psalmist does, does this because you see, my friends, he wants to sing. But unless we know where our help comes from, the songs within our spirit, it dries up and we are unable to sing again. And he answers that question. He says, my help comes from the Lord who is the maker of heaven and earth. Her husband was leaving on a trip and prayed with his wife before he left, as I did with Jenny and her family. Dear Lord, please protect my wife and children while I'm gone. When he finished praying, his wife said, who do you think protects us when you're here? A pretty good question, isn't it? You know, it, it illustrates that when our eyes are purely focused on what we see and we think that our help comes from this level. Remember the cross has a horizontal and a vertical base. And oftentimes we only look at what we can see and oftentimes that is what we put our trust in. We put our trust in what we can see. We can put our trust in what we can experience. And the psalmist says, no, I cannot put my help in the mountains in what I can see there. He says, no, I've got to put my help in my hope in the one who makes the mountains and the seas. And this is the crucial point here. He says, you've got to put your help in the one who makes all of these things. My friends, I'm a great believer that church is about you and I. We're here to encourage one another. That's why it's so important to gather together. There's no substitute for it because we encourage one another when we come together. This is one of the highlights of my week when I come together. But my friends, I cannot put, and let me put it this way, all of my hope in you. And you cannot put all of your hope in me. We're the creation. We're not the creator. We're going to disappoint each other. That's for sure. And when we put our trust in our maker, when we disappoint each other, we can actually push through it and make it through. Can you say amen to that? And I think the temptation that we fall into here in Switzerland, particularly lift people, if I can put it this way, is that we get so comfortable in putting our trust and hope in what we can see and what we can do that eventually we trip and we realize that what we see and what we experience is not all sustainable. God is calling us to fix our gaze just a little bit higher than the mountains. And we look at our wonderful creator, created the heavens, 
and the earth. Yes, so he proposes a question. And he says, where does my help come from? He also gives us the answer. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. And then he speaks about God's heart towards us and his willingness and his ability to keep us. The older I get and the longer I serve God, I have less confidence in my own ability to keep myself. And I'm gaining more confidence in God's ability to keep me. And I found that when I'm in that place, I am more at peace. And I realize and I find that I can start to sing the songs again. My friends, let's be truthful. If our confidence is in man, well, let me put it this way. If our confidence is in wealth, health, and my wife, they will pass. I'm not promised that I'll have my wealth tomorrow. My wealth is here today and gone tomorrow. And my wife, God may decide to take it. If my security lies in those areas, my friends, my songs and the quality of my songs will be on this level. But if we understand that our security lies within the maker of my wealth, the protector of my health, and the gift that God gave me in my wonderful wife, that's where my song will rise and it will shoot into the heights and my song will be a song that will inspire others to really trust and to know this God. And I think this is what the psalmist is trying to help us with. He does say when we look at the verses here, he says, Verse three, he says, he will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. I want you to understand just two things. Just as we close. When you read that verse, you find out that God is a God who cares. You know, if God is our helper and he is the one to keep us, we should ask the question, why do I have this confidence in God that he's gonna keep me all the days of my life and all into eternity? Number one, simply because he cares for me. In the psalm that as you read it, you'll pick up in the song that they sing, they have this confidence that God cares for them. And as a result of God caring for them, he's gonna keep them. The number one issue I think you and I wrestle with within our faith is the, is the question, does God really care about me? You know, the devil is so clever and that's why the psalm says a psalm of the soul because when we start to ask questions from our soul, we say, Lord, I, I know that you love me, but do you actually like me? 
We, we wrestle with those things. God, I know you say that, but genuinely, do you really care for me? And, and uh, uh, Americans have a wonderful expression. Um, when I lived there, um, Americans used to say, just as you meet them or as you leave their house, they would say, just remember we care for you. It's an expression of, of saying, you know, we really like you. We really care for you. Now, now, now God really cares for us. You know, it's very, very interesting. You know, he says um, through the words of Jesus that, that, that he knows us so well that even the hairs of our, on our head are numbered. I believe that the God says that if a sparrow falls to the ground, he's aware of it. There is a caring in the detail and God is so detailed about you and I. And when you read the psalm, you know, he says that um, he will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, who watches over Israel will, never, will neither slumber nor sleep. God is in the detail when he cares about us. And that's one of the questions I have of God from time to time when I'm not doing so well. I say to him, God, are you in the detail of my life? Are you taking care of the big things and you've left the small things to me? And then when I read the scriptures, I find out that God is in the detail as well. Why? Because he cares for me. You've got to remember, even though he cares for us, bad things do happen to good people. Bad things happen to good Christians. And the scripture covers it, all of the book of Psalms. And Jesus, after he had said to his disciples, you know, the very hairs on your head are numbered. A few chapters later, he speaks to them and he says that I will be handed over to death and you will become martyrs on my behalf. So as we looked last week, when we talked about the storms of life, God caring for us does not exempt us from difficulties and from things that happen that we have no control of. But the psalmist says that he is in the detail, he is sovereign. That means he knows everything that's gonna happen to us, he knows when it happens to us, and he sustains us through it. Nothing happens to us that hasn't or that, 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 is, uh, that doesn't first pass through his hand. And that's where our faith has to grow, to believe that he actually cares for us. And this is what the scripture really says here in Genesis chapter 50, verses 21 and 22, in the context of Joseph. Joseph would have asked these questions, Lord, do you really care? Do you really care? Are you in the detail of my life? If you remember, Joseph was betrayed by his brothers. Then, in his working environment, he was betrayed again. And he was put into prison. And then in prison, his friends forgot about him. And then when he came out of prison, he had a journey towards restoration within his life and then he was reunited with his family and he would have asked the question do you actually care why does bad things happen to me am I not serving you faithfully and this is what God's word says you intended to harm me 
but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then, don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. John Wesley, the British evangelist, was traveling to the UK, was traveling from the UK to America as he was crossing into the Atlantic. He came across some Moravian believers and they were singing songs on the boat that they were in. And after they had sang songs, they went to bed and they slept. And then the next day they woke up and John Wesley just couldn't sleep. He was so afraid. And he went to one of the Moravian missionaries and he said to them, how can you sleep at nights like you do? And um, they said to him, well, we simply sing the song in Psalm 121, which says, the Lord never slumbers, nor sleeps. And um, the Moravian missionary looked at him. He says, our God does not slumber nor sleep, so why should both of us be awake? I kind of like that. Let God be awake. Because God never slumbers nor sleeps, my friends. He cares for you. But my friends, he doesn't only care for us, but he is also a God who can. So he's a God who cares, but he's also a God who can. Jude chapter 24 is the most beautiful benediction that you will come across. It says, to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy to the only God our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages and now forevermore. My friends, once and for all, God showed us just how much he cared for us when he died upon the cross. On the cross, he fulfilled every single detail for you and I to be saved forever and to be secure in him. When you look at the cross, you see the care of God and God would say, I care for you. In the resurrection, he says to you and I, I can because he overcame sin, he overcame the devil and he overcame death. Even though we are subject to physical death here, death will never have the final word. Why? Firstly, he cares, and secondly, he can. So when you look at the cross, man, he cares. When you look at the resurrection, he says, I can. Let's trust him together for this. Let us stand, please.